With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to a special edition of Media Matters for Anfield Index. I'm your normal host, ladies and gents, Dave Davis, coming to you from a pretty miserable and windswept Edinburgh. It's absolutely chucking it down right now. I'm not going to lie. However, we should really start off on a negative because there's a lot of things to be positive about with the Reds. And I'm pleased to say my guest who's joined me is going to talk about all those positive things. So let me introduce the renowned, the respected writer, journalist, and now even podcast host himself, Neil Jones. Neil, how are we? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to add strings to me bow every week, aren't I? I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm spreading myself very thin at the moment, but, you know, it's all fun, all fun and games. Yeah, absolutely, including YouTube and different things. So if you haven't, people, I'm sure you have, make sure you like and subscribe to all those different things that Neil does. Absolutely. And Neil, I mean, I want to get right into this because there's so many positives, which I know you'll be thinking isn't normally me, but there are so many positive things to explore in this regard. I mean, this start to the season, 13 out of 15 points, you know, were unbeaten, comeback wins, multiple ones, a couple with late, late goals as well. I mean, there genuinely is so much to be positive about. And, 13 out of 15, five games in. If you're being honest, is that is that better than you thought it would be or you anticipated at this stage? Uh, I think so. I think so. I think if you if you factor in the, the, the away games and, and you know all three away games in their own right, but if you you know Chelsea away is never never easy, regardless of what you make of Chelsea's progress. Obviously Newcastle on a on such a high and you know the circumstances around that game never yeah. anything else. And then Wolves, you know, look. You know they're not a great side, or they're not sort of a side that that scores a lot of goals. But it's coming after an international break, so to to say that you you know you you're going away unbeaten and with two wins out of those three, you'd expect Liverpool to win the home games. So yeah, I think I think you you would have been happy. I think with maybe five points, six points out of out of those those three away games. So the fact that Liverpool have managed to take seven and could easily have taken nine. You know they had they, I know they rode the luck at times against Chelsea. They they also had chances to win it. So. I think you have to say it's been a, you know, a very good start to the season for Liverpool. I, I, I suspected it might take them a few weeks to sort of get into this kind of rhythm. The fact that they've managed to do it in the first five games, I think, is very encouraging. And you know, you look at 
you're starting to look at the fixture list now, aren't you? Maybe once you get the next two away games out of the way with Tottenham. Yeah. Right, and you're starting to look and say, Do you know what, there's some chance to make some hay there for Liverpool in the next, you know, month or two. Yeah, you're right. There, there is some so many positives, but there is a few tough ones coming coming up. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And I mean, positive wise, like you said, even the ones where we rode our luck against Chelsea. I mean, there's been some real standouts, and the easiest one to turn to would be Dominic Zabosli. I mean, he's been absolutely immense. The standard charter play of the month for August as well. I mean, an abs- it seems early doors, but an absolute mainstay of the team. And and that's been kind of mixed in the midfield because Curtis has been sort of out and in due to, to injury. Alexis, trying not to sort of blame him in any way, because obviously if you pay this 8 million miles above sea level with little turnaround, it's not going to normally lead to a, a greatest performance against Wolves. So he's got that mitigation for him. Endo sort of played a bit not used to having 11 men on the pitch as well at the same time. So that midfield's coming for a, a bit of rotation. There's still naturally people you think coming back, Tiago, etc. badge still to come in. I mean, it might be difficult to almost answer at this time, but based on what you've seen, be it the, the 4-3-3, the hybrid, the Trent formation, whatever you, you wish to call it, what is your sort of favourite three in the middle of the park right now in kind of which role, so to speak? Because even Zabozla, I mean, he's been immense at eight and six, hasn't he? So how do you see as the best setup right now? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I think it may, maybe changes depending on whether Trent's available or not. And I really like the midfield in the second half against against Wolves, you know, not just the, the makeup of it, but the way it played and, and the sort of the, the, the strengths that it showed in terms of dominating the game and sort of real control about it and, and pinning Wolves back with, you know, picking up second balls and defending better. Yeah. Even though there was less or fewer bodies almost in there. It was it was a lot more solid the way the way the team was set up. Um I think that's a I think that's an option we, we might see a bit more of as Liverpool move forward, you know, that four two three one, four four two sort of mix with 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 two two sort of standard centre midfielders. And I I wondered I I I've pondered this a bit recently are we maybe seeing a little bit of a shift away from specialists in there you know and sort of that that device of you know number number six holder who does you know only does those things and a number eight who does this these things are we just seeing a return to old-fashioned sort of central midfielders who who have to do a a little bit of everything and, and and play in there you know um possibly and I think Liverpool have got a few players who might thrive in that kind of that role I think it's hard to say your best three is because I don't think we haven't seen Gravenberg yet, obviously, besides a few minutes. As I say, you haven't True. seen, seen Bicetic yet back and what level he comes back at. Um, obviously, McAllister's had a few hiccups. You know, he's he's exited a couple of games early for different reasons. So I don't think we've seen the best yet of McAllister, even though we've been encouraged enough. I think you... But yeah, you're right to point out. I think Subos lies in it. Whoever you know, whatever, whatever your three, whatever your two is, I think Subos lies in it somewhere. Um, and he's been so good. I thought him and Curtis were were absolutely outstanding in that second half against Wolves, and really, real show of authority from two players. You know, both both 22, both same age, and seem like they've got, you know, similar similar gifts to them. You know, both good size, both get about the pitch, both good at keeping yeah. the ball. Look like they play with a lot of confidence. You know, when their tails are up. Um, they look to me like a pair that have quite. They look like they've gravitated towards each other a little bit. You know that they, they they kind of like playing with each other. So I think that was encouraging. But I think it's also encouraging that Liverpool have got other options. And you know we're talking about. I'm sure we're going to talk about Lask 
and the games are coming, and Leicester in the in the Carabao that's coming next week. There's a few good midfields that Liverpool could put in, you know, with, with different players in there, with with Elliot, with Bajetic, with Thiago, if he if he if he ever gets back fit, with Endo, who we haven't seen much of. So they've got some good options there. But yeah, I I'm intrigued to see whether they we see a little bit more of a you know a a more classic centre midfield as opposed to one where you've got you know a, a designated sitter who who does the destroying job and and a couple of others. I think you might see a little bit more of what we saw in the second half against Wolves. Yeah, I, I'm starting to lead towards that, and it, even that um, the Villa game with Zabosla and Curtis, like you say, in the middle, just the the combination of the two, the energy, the pressing. It, it may be interesting to see if Jurgen does keep on in that regard. But like you said, got to keep the positives going. So many options, wants to come back as well. So a lot to be pleased about. And I mean, speaking of, of pleasing areas. The sort of the front line, the front three, the front five, maybe the front six, if you call them that, with Ben Doak set to, to come in as well. I mean, pretty much all the senior boys are on the score sheet now. I know you, you sort of picked Cody Gakpo to potentially be a, a possible player of the year. He's on the score sheet now as well with Wolves. And I, I know there's going to be rotation and I know there's going to be people, you know, horses for courses, what we need. But it's interesting because there's a lot of talk about, I'm sure you've heard it, what is the best front three? If we, you know, if we don't have Nunes, we don't have Diaz. Is the is the pace there? People that can go in behind that type of talk. Do you personally have almost a a front three where you're thinking if it's a big game, this is what I want to see, or is it literally still a horses for courses rotate that type of scenario? Yeah, I think I think we're starting to see a little bit. I think it's 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 emerging a little bit. Does it? There's almost a. I don't know whether you feel it, but it does feel it. There's a little bit of a Gakpo and, and Jota on one side and Nunes and Diaz on the other, almost sort of yeah. clenches being drawn a little bit. I, I, look, I think I think you'd say that Nunes and Diaz is a more exciting pair than, than Jota and Gakpo. They're, they're, they're obviously, you know, more coming towards the ball and, and, and maybe, you know, move around movement as opposed to sort of electric pace and, 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 and physicality and stuff. But I, I think... I think it's good that they're all they're all contributing and listen, you know, Gakpo and Jota didn't play well on, on, on Saturday, but they both combine obviously for the goal and that and that's that's yeah. that's that's the name of the game really is up, up there, isn't it? You know, yeah, you, you have to do your tactical bits and you have to do your pressing and whatever, but really you're gonna be judged on okay, what impact are you having on the game in terms of the final third? So good good for them to be involved in that. I think the way Diaz has started the season, I think he has to be in the side. Um, you know, for for the for the bigger games, for, you know, you'll play against West Ham on on Sunday. I'm almost certain of that, and you and you want that, given the form and the positivity and the brightness that he showed. I think we're in the position now potentially where Nunes is the same. I think I think we're looking at that and saying, well, you know, are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well. Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop 
or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. If you if you've been waiting for this sort of rhythm or explosion from Darwin Nunez, this looks to me like it might be the time that it's happening. You know, you're sort of seeing just little bits of growth in him. You're seeing the confidence that he's playing with. You even saw it in the in the international break, obviously with Uruguay, that he just looks like he's got something yeah. behind him at the moment. And so I, I sort of lean into that position of take advantage of that, you know, sort of milk him at the moment while he's while his tail's up. Don't don't give him any reason to sort of come out of this rhythm. Just 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 play him and get him on that pitch. I'd, for that reason, I'd play him against Lask. Funny enough, you know, just to like if you can get a couple of goals in there and sort of you know again just sort of add another level of confidence and belief to his game. Yeah, I think it's just important. So I I think I'm leaning towards at the moment, and it's funny, isn't it? Because my my I think we talked ahead of the Chelsea game, the first game of the season. I think my front three was Salah, Gakpo, Jota. Yeah. Now my front three, if you ask me for West Ham, is Diaz, Nunes, Salah. Um, but the good the good thing is is that none of them are sort of, you know, I think it was important for Gakpo to get that goal. Obviously, he was the one who hadn't scored this season, and he's been, he's he's sort of a little bit of a victim, isn't he? Sometimes that you know, well, he can he can do a few other roles, can't he? You know, you don't just sort of, and Diaz comes on, plays left mid, doesn't he? Salah plays, you know, in the front three. Nunes plays down. Gakpo's a little bit more well. If we need to change the midfield up or play a number ten or put up, you know, put an extra body in there, he'll do it. And he suffered a little bit, so I think it was important for him to get the goal. But having him and Jota, two intelligent players, two goal scorers, two players who can link the play, you know, playing like I say, playing a couple of positions in in both of their their cases, it's no bad thing at all. And like you say, Ben Doak, you know, I'm sure we'll be all excited to see if we get a little look at him in the in the Europa League and the League Cup coming up. It's um yeah they're not short of options and it's um yeah that's that's the I think everything else that we talked about the midfield the defense I'm sure we'll we'll go and speak about maybe Jarrell Quans and people like that but that was the bit that we were all sort of banking on at the start of the season weren't we that these forwards you know even if Liverpool are a bit wild to start with or you know they're, they're a bit less um solid or cohesive they're gonna have firepower and so far so good yeah. and have. Yeah, it is interesting. 100% true. It's the one thing to... And actually, I'm not going to put words in your mouth because it's the one thing I, I'm excited about. I mean, Jurgen Klopp's talked about it and there's a couple of, of phrases and I'm kind of interested in your take on this because you hear Liverpool reloaded, I'm hearing Liverpool 2.0. You know, both, both phrases almost attributed to Jurgen Klopp. So, it, and obviously we've heard this week about external speakers. I know there's a few articles on it, the way, you know, they're, they're almost trying to shape things up for want of a better phrase. I mean, there is a lot to like, and like you mentioned, there's a there's a few things that haven't been perfect. If you were to sort of pinpoint maybe one thing that you've really liked about the start of the season, and one thing doesn't maybe have to be a major issue or major concern, but just maybe a little prickle or you're thinking we need to get that sorted or bedded down. What sort of two things would you call out in that regard? Yeah, um, I think the right-back situation, I think, would be one that I would look at and say that it's no surprise that that's reared its head already this season, as you know, Trent. Yeah. And we, we've, we've, we've seen, not necessarily, look, I don't want to pin it up, this is Joe Gomez's problem, but the problem with having a right-back like Trent and, and building so much of your system around is obviously, what if they're not there? And you have a decision to make then on the rest of the team. And I think Liverpool got it badly wrong at Wolves in the sense of 
I think Liverpool should have put it to one side and said, look, we can't play that way without without Trent in the team. And also not just not just without Trent, but without both your other your centre backs really that you would you would say would be on the side. You know, it, yeah. was a, it was a patched up back four with with one of the people being asked to do it, you know, such a difficult role. A role that let's let's be fair, the Trent for all his incredible abilities and skills, he's still yet to master it. You know, he's doing it pretty well in, in terms of results, but he's not you know, it's not one that you'd say, oh, yeah, that's been flawless. So to ask Joe Gomez to do it, I, thought, I think it's a bit difficult. So that would be one issue, you know, the the, the the knock-on effect of a Trent injury exposes that your right-back strength and depth isn't maybe as strong as it, it could be or needs to be, and it, it has a big tactical impact. I think probably the other, the only other thing, it's linked, it's linked to this, really, the only other thing I'd, I'd maybe worry about is you still... You still feel that Liverpool are, are probably a couple of injuries away from, you know, a risky, a risky team being on the pitch. You know, especially in defence, you're still looking and saying, "God, you know, if I think I think we're, we're all worried about Matip's form. I think just generally, but if 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 you get another injury, you know, if 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 Canate gets a setback, then you know, are Liverpool sort of strong enough to, to handle that position? I think Jarrell Kwanzaa helps that argument. Yeah. It, He's like he did uh, at Molyneux, but I still think there's still a little bit of a a tightrope element to Liverpool at the back with, with regards to injuries, and you you still there'll, there'll still be that nag and doubt. I think, especially when you sort of get into the the nitty gritty of the Europa League group stage, where you're playing a lot of midweek games and you're getting towards the the festive period, and you know a couple of weeks can mean that you miss four or five games. You know, I think there will be that element that oh, I've Liverpool just are they just one short in there, but. Listen, that that they're 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 glass half empty sort of scenarios. I think everything else, yeah. right, in terms of you look at the the impact the subs have made, that it's been excellent. You look at the firepower, like I say, you look at the the fact that a few players, you know, I I I'd include sort of Andy Robertson in that, but obviously Allison, you know, it, it was it looked like they're sort of maintaining a good level of form. You know, get out in that position. I think that I think there's a lot of a lot more positives around this this first few weeks of the season than there are negatives. It's just obviously, yeah, you you have to you have to think of the worst case scenario at some time. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. And it's interesting, like you said, especially some of the the positives that are unexpected. Even like Quanta coming in, I thought, especially in a such a rocky back line against Wolves, I think yeah, weirdly he almost looked the most assured, didn't he, on the ball with his passing? Where, like you said, there was a. There was more than one question mark against Joel Matic, whereas, you know, mitigation for Joe Gomez playing that Trent role, which he's probably never going to be able to do. And when they did that for the second half, it just looks so much better. And it's interesting because I, I did want to start to think about this week. And when I first sort of put it together, I thought, I can ask you about Lask, but naturally this is the first week where Liverpool are going into the Thursday-Sunday scenario, aren't they? The Europa, the quick turnaround back into the, the Premier League. And also it's an interesting one that... They're, they're away in Europe, not too far in Austria, and then back at, at home at Anfield. So there's not a million miles of travelling, but still have some impact, so to speak. And Jurgen Klopp's been, I'm trying to think how to describe it, quite neutral, what we'd expect in his comments to say, you know, we'll, we'll look to part of a strong team. And if the youngsters are good enough, as he mentioned, you know, they're playing at the right level, they'll get that chance. So... I suppose rather than just asking you about what the team will be for last, because that's going to naturally feed into West Ham. And I know you've said, Diaz, you expect to start against West Ham. How do you see the sort of contrast? Do you think there will be 
more kids or younger players that people expect to save people? Or do you think it could even be strong, get them off early? I mean, how do you see the yeah. two games in the lineups? Yeah, well, I mean, this is obviously another important aspect is that West Ham play Thursday as well. So it's, it's you know, you're not, you're not playing against opponents that have going to have 10 days, you know, or five extra days rest. True. I mean, I'm sure West Ham will make some changes as well. They're at home this evening. They 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 kick off a little bit later than, or sorry, tomorrow evening. They kick off a little bit later than Liverpool. So I think that that helps. I think the Leicester game next week helps because it means that you don't, you know, you're not you're not denying people their one shot of a game, you know, for for for, for, for potentially for three months. You know, you, you can say to yeah. Me and Kelleher, for example, you can say to him, look, you're, you're going to play next Wednesday, so just, just you know, don't worry. Um, I think it'll be a mix. I think, I think there are a few players that probably, it would be good to, to get minutes into them. I think Simakas, for example, I think four minutes he's had this season in the league. Um, I think I think I'd expect him to come in. I think I'd like to see Gravenberg get a, a go. Um, I'm not sure, he, I'm not sure West Ham is a game for Gravenberg. Um, but I think if you could say you could play both Lask and Leicester, that'd be a decent chance to get some rhythm into him and some, you know, get him up to speed with what Liverpool are after or see what it, where he's at. So I think I'd expect him to play. I think Elliot's in to start. Um, in his performances, I think it'd be yeah. good. I'd, I'd, I'd reward Elliot. I wouldn't say it's like oh he needs minutes. I think it'd be more you know what he deserves a start given what what he's done off the bench. So I think he'll play. Um, I think the interesting one. It's two interesting ones, really. I think the centre backs and the and the forward line. I think are the interesting one. I think they might be a bit more stronger than we might think. And um, I, I think Van Dyke having missed, you know, best part of three games, you know, with with his um, with his suspension and his red cards. I think he'll play against Lask, or I would play him against Lask just to get him, you know, get him a game and get him back into the sort of the 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 rhythm of it. Um, and in the forward line, I mean. I think I'd go with, like I said, I'd go with Nunez because I want to. I want to see sort of Liverpool capitalise on that. And I think that I think there's a case to, to to play Salah as well, you know, and 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 sort of like you say, give him an hour, get him off, maybe hopefully get a you know an impact on the game, and then and then sort of manage the minutes elsewhere, whether it's Doak, whether it's Jota, Gakpo, um, Diaz. I, I think there's a case to go strong in attack. Decent at centre back, and then sort of you know do your mixing and matching elsewhere, left back um, and midfield. Um, that would be my my way around it. I think there's a few that you maybe say don't don't take the risk with you know if Trent was fit, he's not fit for the game. But if Trent was fit, I wouldn't have even taken him to, to Australia. They left him out. I think there's a case to say you know don't don't be overplaying Sabosli at this stage. You know he's important. I think maybe McAllister. Yeah. I'll give him give him an extra sort of you know chance to, to be ready for West Ham, maybe Robertson as well. So yeah, I think I think it's it's gonna be a strong side no matter what. There aren't too many kids, you know, to use that phrase in there, are they? You know, a, a lot of them a lot of the ones that you might have thought, oh, are they gonna be on the cusp of it? They actually played in on Tuesday night in the in yeah. the EFL trophy. You know, we saw Bobby Clark play, saw um Callum Scanlon, Luke Chambers, players like that, you know, who, who might be on the B list. Um they they've already played this week, so I don't think we'll be seeing sort of Complete unknowns, or, or you know that kind of that kind of sort of uh, debutants and people like that in in the squad. I think it's going to be quite a quite an established team that we see and an established bench as well. Yeah, it, it is an interesting one to see, and 
I think, as, as you kind of mentioned, there's, there's a lot of excitement for hoping Ben Doak gets to start. But like you mentioned, it, it kind of it didn't mystify me. That's maybe too strong. But the likes of Bobby Clark, obviously, when they turned down that loan move, there was maybe expectations he'd get senior time. And I, I don't know the EFL trophy isn't a, a minor or a non-existent one. Don't get me wrong. But I think there was a, a possible expectation he'd be in the squad. So it will be interesting to see sort of how he goes for this one, no doubts about it at all. And obviously he's got his press conference later today with a with another pro there as well. Be interesting to see who that is. I mean, this week, and this is this is an interesting one, because I know you've done sort of the, the podcast hosting yourself, and it does link to to the game coming up against West Ham. I don't know if you'd seen all the uh, the quotes or Mikel Antonio's different oh, yeah. Comments around finishing above Liverpool and all those types of things. I'm a, it's almost maybe lazy punditry, so to speak, as I'm asking you. Do you think it is a case of when you when you saw that you've read that that's lads that's the team talk sorted for Sunday? Do you think it is um, that simple? Do you think they'll know about it? Um, I, well, the fans will know about it, won't they? I think that's that's sort of. Do, do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Clinton Morrison many many years ago when he was at Crystal Palace. Yeah. He'd done something in between a two legged. Um, League Cup semi-final wasn't it and he, I, Palace won the first leg I think 2-0 2-1 and he said something like Michael Owen missed a half full of chances I'd have buried them and it was a bit like you know in isolation fair play to him you know he, he, he's back himself and he probably he probably might have done you know given given he scored in the game and whatever but he paid the price for it when he came to Anfield and, you know, and it, he got booed relentlessly, he ended up sort of, I think, 5-0 Liverpool beat, beat Palace that night. And it was almost like, you know, OK, if you, if you can live, if you can cope with that, then that's fine. But really, you know, you, you, you sort of, you added a little bit of fire when, when there was none, there was none there, really. You know, I don't think anyone was sort of worrying about Clinton Morrison at that point um, until he, he opened his mouth. So I think Mikhail Antonio... He's a confident lad. He's a popular. I think he's quite a popular figure in with among opposition fans, isn't he? You know, he's got a bit of personality about him, and he's got a bit of a, you know, I've seen him give interviews where I've thought I, I, I'll have a bit of him. You know, he's he's a decent guy, isn't he? And I, I just think maybe it's a bit, a bit. If if I, I wouldn't be necessarily from a Liverpool point of view, if I'm David Moyes, I'd maybe be thinking, oh, did you have to say that? You know, like you you sort of. You're gonna you're gonna create a little bit of a storm around you. And listen, if he backs himself to come through it, then fair enough. But yeah, it's it's one of them that I think it's more likely to come and bite him than it is to sort of look like you know he's he's um, he's Mystic Meg predicting things like that. I think he's more likely to come a cropper putting things out there. But listen, you know we're all. We're all trying to sell podcasts. We're all trying to. We're all trying to sort of you know say things, and generate interest, and generate talking points. And West Ham have had a great start to the season. Um, good on them, and they've had, they, they've got a bit of momentum behind them after what they did in Europe last year. So maybe there just is an element of confidence about it. But yeah, I think he'll be reminded if Liverpool go two or three up on on Sunday, and Mikel Antonio gets subbed off with twenty minutes to go. I think he'll be getting a decent little send off from the uh, from the cop. Yeah, let's let's hope we get to see that in operation and <laughs> test that fact as well. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one, like you say, especially in the the podcast world, because I can't think of any other current players. Because obviously he does it with Callum Wilson for the for the BBC, and I might well be wrong on this and corrected later, but I can't think of any sort of current players. So obviously, we 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 want that insight, we want their thoughts, but at the same time, like you say, it's interesting that you know, do they set themselves up, put a target on the back? We shall yeah. see. 
just on a general point on that, I think it it is we want the we want the best of both worlds, don't we? We want to know what everything that's going on in football is how they think. And then sometimes we don't like it. Do you mean the phone Troy Deeney do them, don't they? You know, they they do podcasts. Yeah, Obviously Ben Foster does does his one. I know he's he's only recently retired. And it's the real difficult balance act, isn't it, between, you know, listen, I'm gonna tell you what I mean, I, I think we all loved it, didn't we, when Ben Foster revealed that most salary had come up to him and asked them if we got a penalty today, what way would you have yeah. You know, that that was, a, that was a great insight into like Mo Salah's mindset is really positive. But of course, yeah, if you've got a player that's, you know, talking ahead of a, a meeting, you know, I, I, I saw it, um, you know, Antonio and Callum Wilson talking about the Champions League and sort of, you know, Callum Wilson sort of saying to me, oh, you'll never find out what it's like to play in the Champions League. And, you know, there's that, there's that sort of level of, of banter to use a, a phrase I don't, or a word I don't, I don't like using. But, I do think that there is that fine line that you straddle where you think, okay, you know, if you want to talk about players that you're going to come up against or grounds that you're going to have to go and visit or managers that you're going to have to see late in the season, then you better be ready for, you know, if it, if it goes, it goes the wrong way. And yeah, I think Mikhail Antonio will, he'll, he'll be, um, I think he'll be on, on guard on Sunday. Definitely. I think he'll be aware that he's, he's put himself out there and we'll see what, what comes of it. Yeah, indeed, it will be interesting not too long to to find out as well. And, and I know we're talking about on the field a lot. I did want to ask you about sort of the the off the field, the business side, because there's a, a lot of talk, especially on the contract part. I mean, I think it's a, a week ago or so, maybe a couple of weeks, there was talk about Costas Simicast possibly extending for a couple of years. There is a few questions naturally and talk, chatter around Trent that he's, you know, within that two years, you know, whether he's extended. I know you've been asked about that as well. And even there's a few players like within that two years, we don't need to talk about Mo Salah, you know, everyone knows what's going on around there. But interesting to see that Virgil's been mentioned. And even today, I've seen Joel Matip come out, you know, with official quotes that he'd be quite happy to end his career at Liverpool now as well. I mean, I know I've wrapped up a, a lot in there, apologies, but is there any sort of update around contracts or potential extensions at all? No, no, look, it's, it's no secret that Trent would be a priority uh, at Liverpool in terms of getting that done. You don't want to be going into the last year of Trent's contract. I think that would be, a, I, I feel like it'd be a relatively straightforward one. Um, you know, I can't, can't imagine a world where Liverpool sort of leave Trent feeling undervalued with what they offer him, or you know they've just yeah. made him nice captain, and he, 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 he's got plenty of um, he's got plenty of things to point to if he wants to talk about how important he is to Liverpool. So you know, tactically, symbol, symbolically, captaincy or vice captaincy. So I don't see that would be a difficult one. Um, but yeah, I'd expect it. To, you know, I'd expect Liverpool to be trying to make moves on that before we get anywhere near the end of this season. Probably even before then, really before you know, around before the end of the year. Yeah, um, I think the other ones are difficult, aren't they? You know, because it's, it's the age of some of the players makes it you know tough to say. Well, what 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 kind of offer do Liverpool produce? I think Van Dijk, you know, is still very much central to, to what Liverpool are doing. Matter less so. Simicas obviously never has been. Uh, Thiago's obviously in, into the last year, so the, the, there's there's some tough ones there in terms of. You know what are the what's the offer you make, or are you are yeah. you you even want to do it? I, I would I would lean towards Matic going on a free next next year. Really, I, I, you know, being being for the best for Liverpool. Never mind, never mind for him. Um, I think the same with Thiago personally. 
I think Liverpool probably need to to to, to let that one run out and 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 look elsewhere when they're going for their their future squad. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I mean, it's not. There's no real sort of major news regarding any of it. It's just very, it's very much yeah. It, the situation's bubbling away, and we'll see, we'll see. But I think Trent's the one that's the most sort of necessary. Um to happen soon and like I say hopefully by the end of this year I don't think it'll be a, I don't think it'll be a tough renewal at all I don't think it's one of them where you say right you know you're going to have to make you're going to have to break the wage structure for Trent or you're going to have to sort of really convince him that you know he's, his future lies with Liverpool I think it's one of them that there's a will on both sides to get it done so hopefully it doesn't take too long Yeah fingers crossed and that I mean that one especially will be one that'll be greeted with great joy for the for the new vice captain yeah good stuff and I suppose I'm probably going to embarrass you a bit now because for the the off the field stuff and speaking for yourself, when I was at going freelance, the covering Liverpool. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening, if they've not go and watch it on YouTube, you did the episode with with Paul Gorse, which I thought was fascinating. You know, behind the scenes, I thought some brilliant questions, some brilliant insights. As in, what's it like to be an LFC journalist, so to speak? The pressures, yeah. the challenges that that come with that as well. I mean, it was great to sort of get that insight and. I might be wrong, and probably the first thing I wanted to ask you, I actually got a real sense watching that. You were really enjoying almost being the host and getting that insight yeah. yourself. Is that a fair question? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you think about this. Do you know when I left the Echo? It was 2018, and obviously Gorsley was there when I, when I left, but a lot of the a lot of our work at that point because we you know the way that the way the media landscape was going was around podcasts, and we do a lot of blood red podcasts, maybe two a week. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I remember it. Obviously, not not that anyone else should, but we were doing a sort of a a a push to to do sort of more premium content with myself and Andy Kelly at the time. Where we were doing a lot of academy shows and we were doing big interviews with people and things like that. And so I was doing a lot of that, and it was probably the thing I missed most in leave by leaving Gold. Apart from the people, um, you know, that I worked with, Gold never really did it, you know, and I always. Whenever we had ideas, meetings, a goal, I would always sort of say, you know, we never thought about doing maybe a pod, some sort of podcast, a weekly one. And the, the the only one I ever really did with them was, um, we did a fantasy football one once, or well, once or twice, and then there was one where it was like the end of the decade, where they done this sort of pick your team of the decade for the Premier. Yeah. I always really enjoy those kind of things because it's, you know, you get a bit longer, obviously, and it's, you know, talking's easier than writing, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just a. No, it's 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 more natural. And it's more sort of you know conversational that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I I maybe I have in terms of hosting and and sort of having that kind of element of being able to to set the agenda of a of a show rather than like you say you know listen you you sent me an agenda for this show and Red Men do it and the Anfield Rap do it and you know you're sort of you're you're answering questions rather than rather than yeah telling what they're going to be. So yeah, I think so. And I also think it's just. The, the the ghosty chat and there's going to be more obviously of that ilk. I'm sure you can sort of make guesses as to people who might be in in the frame to feature in them and people I'll be pursuing to try and get to, to speak to. There'll be a few that you might you might not guess, but um, it's a bit different as well, isn't it? It's not you know without without being you know rude or sort of dismissive. Of course, we know what at what. I think and Gorsty thinks and James Pierce thinks and whoever thinks about Salah and 
the transfer policy and the Europa League team selection and things, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're very regular sort of conversations. It's quite nice sometimes to, to ask people about things that maybe they, they haven't been asked about for a while or they haven't thought about or things that maybe people just don't know about. And the one thing that's definitely come with this freelance um, or in particular the covering Liverpool sort of aspect to it has been that probably that's the thing you get asked most for other than transfer news is... Well, what's it like? You know, what, 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 why, what's Klopp like when you're behind closed doors, or what, what, what's it like when you're watching the second half of a game and you're doing player ratings and match report, and you know, what's a, what is a mix zone? You know, those kind of questions are the ones that seem to generate the most interest. So, yeah, it was good. I, I enjoyed. It. I think Gorsty enjoyed it, and you know, it's not, it's not going to break the internet yet, but the feedback tends to be pretty good. That people seem to enjoy it as well. So, hopefully few more of those going forward over the next few weeks hello i'm here to annoy you i'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on epl index we don't just have the anfield index stuff we've got epl index as well which covers the entirety of the premier league and we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on eplindex.com the podcasts are my own two-footed podcast which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, fingers crossed, absolutely. Just in case you've not seen it, people, got to repeat again, covering Liverpool, Neil Jones, was on YouTube, Paul Ghost, episode one. And I mean, like Sam, it's great to hear you're doing more. I mean, the the one thing I did want to ask you about this, because probably I, I nuanced it wrong, that when you enjoyed the hosting, the one thing I always think of you, the articles that I really like that you do, there's that, and it's maybe a phrase that I'm using, the human interest, the human side. I know you've done a bit more almost behind the scenes. I know you've done insights with players almost. Still reminds me, you know, people with the, the mental health ones, people working as Amazon driver. Those, those little insights don't always see it as fans. As well as the, I suppose, the, the normal conversation, as we called it, is that what sort of you're really looking to get as well from the follow-up episodes, more the, the human side, the things people don't know behind the scenes, so to speak? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, obviously, there's so much about Liverpool um, coverage, isn't that, you know, in out there. And I think it's important to sort of, to realise where, where can you add value to it, really? And Yeah. You know, I... I make no secrets and listen, you know, you, you can you can judge it however you want. I'm not the best in the world at breaking transfer stories. I'm not the best in the world at using statistics to analyse what Liverpool have done right and wrong. I'm not the best in the world at tactically sort of dissecting a game in, in terms of, you know, what were the set moves and what were the sort of patterns of, of a game? I can you, I can have a good look at them, you know, I've watched enough football to, to know a sort of general sense, but I'm not the one at really breaking it down into training ground sort of stuff and coaching sort of talk and things like that. So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and do a podcast around that. What I think I, I do well, and I, I know I'm not, I'm not, don't like blowing my own trumpets on stuff like this, but I think, I think finding a level to talk about people and to get people to relax and sort of feel, okay, yeah, you know, 
I, I trust, I trust that I can share this story or I can share this insight or I, I can sort of, I can talk about this issue of my job or my career or my, you know, what, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's a player, whether yeah. it's a coach, whatever. There's a, there's an element of personable, I think would be the word that I would use. So, you know, or, or creating a, you know, a, a, a sort of a calm sort of conversation. So, that's that's the the aim of this one, really. It's like you know, it's 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 Paul Ghost, yeah, but it's not Paul Ghost answering the burning issue of the day on on Liverpool. Should he pick him at centre back or him, or should they have signed a defender? Should they have done this? Should they have done that? It's Paul Ghost actually talking about him, and so unlocking a little bit of that is probably one of my the things that I feel comfortable doing. You know, speaking to people like that, and you know, we've seen like I'm glad you mentioned some of the some of the the work that I've done in the past or some of the pieces that I've done are still you know yeah. it it you can see it or I can see it definitely on my my Substack page because I get the 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 stats the most popular piece I've ever done on Substack and I've done it for nearly a year now I think I started last November or October so we're getting up towards a year I've got it in front of me now five most popular articles I've ever written about Liverpool number 1 Chase the impossible dream. Why football is far from the beautiful game for so many young players. It was a piece about Ryan Corrigan, a player who never yeah. ever played a professional game at senior level. Um, was at Man City, was at Stoke. That's the most popular piece I've ever written. So that tells you some tells me something. I remember the most popular piece I had in a year. Um, when I was at goal, I think it was twenty twenty one. Was was a piece with Adam Morgan, who obviously played a couple of times. In yeah. First team. Um, I can remember pieces with. Uh, let me just think. For example, Phil Foden's um, speed coach um, was was one of the most popular pieces I've done. So I, I like the fact that you can I can do things like that and and pique people's interests. And so it naturally lends itself to what can you do in in a podcasting sense or in a you know a hosting a hosting sense. Can can you do something similar with that rather than you know listen. It's great and it works fantastic when you when you can get a massive news story or a massive opinion piece that gets everyone talking about Mo Salah or about Alisson. Yeah. But it gives me a lot more pleasure when it's something that you know maybe I I think other people wouldn't have done. Yeah, absolutely, I'd agree with that because I suppose the the predetermined thinking is normally transfers. That'll be what generates the most interest. But yeah, like you said, for me, not surprising those articles that you said and. That was the name I couldn't think of, Ryan Corrigan. Yeah, I remember that one distinctly. So fingers yeah. crossed, people, as we say, keep reading, keep watching. They'll definitely pique your interest there. And the the final thing I wanted to ask you is that I know sort of earlier when we chatted, or say previously when we chatted, it was, you know, you thought Gakpo for player of the season. I thought it'd be interesting to see so far because we, we've had August, we've had like quite a few games. Things are really sort of starting to, to begin now, the business so to speak, two, you know, at least two times, three times a week in some cases, just for sort of the the players who's really stood out. So just almost a few quicker fire, maybe not quite yeah. quick fire, but quicker fire questions. Yeah. So player of the season so far for you? I think it would be either Soboslai or, or Salah for, for, for the impact that they've had, you know, diff- in different ways, really. You know, Salah... Salah's had impact in moments and games where he's created or scored, and you know he's done it in every game this season. You know he's the, the top provider 
Um, he he probably will be the top scorer, you know, even though he he hasn't maybe has been as prolific so far this season. So yeah, he's, he's, him and Soboslav had the biggest impact on on Liverpool season, you know, for for different reasons. So yeah, I'd go with either. Or I, I was no surprise to see Soboslav get the the standard chartered Player of the Month, wasn't it, for August? And yeah, he might have a decent chance of retaining it in September. Um, I was uh, it, it it says a lot that he's the number one shirt. I think wasn't he? Was he, he was number yeah. one? Shirt names, um. So yeah, I think you'd you'd, you'd lean maybe towards him with with Salah, um. So far, yeah, it's an interesting one, especially with Zabozlai and Salah. I mean, everyone knows about both Salah and his stats, but it's interesting with Zabozlai. It's just starting to creep out, isn't it? People talking about his top speed, his distance covered, all these types of things as well. So feels like in a different way, he starts to become a stat king, so to speak. So fingers crossed that continues as well. The, this one's interesting because actually, it, and again, in a positive, we want to be saying that there's maybe more candidates than first thought. So, young player of the season so far for you? Yeah, I mean, they're all, <laughs> there's a lot of young ones, aren't there? We were talking about, funny enough, we were at um, Morecambe on Tuesday and we were talking to Barry Lutus about it. And I'll tell you what, you could could you could put a decent side out in that under 21s, you know, with by Chetty. Yeah. Elliot Gravenberg still qualifies. Um, Doak obviously wasn't there, but I would. I think you have to give it to Gerald Kwanzaa for the progress that he's made. You know the, the the steps that he's made. You know it's no surprise when you see Harvey Elliott. I know he's I know he's the same age as Kwanzaa, but it's no real surprise when you see Harvey Elliott come off the bench and have an impact, or you see Curtis, you know, do what he's doing. I know he's he's now over twenty one, but if you look at Kwanzaa and say, well, where was he when when the season started, and where is he now? He's he's the one who's come furthest for me. In in yeah. now being someone who I think you can you can say is part of the first team squad. You know, all right, yeah, he might, if everyone's fit, he might be fifth choice. He might not be. Um, but yeah, you look at the, the you know the the impact he had in pre season. I think he did really well. Furthered his claims. Real good cameo at Newcastle, and then a, a brilliant full Premier League debut against Wolves. So yeah, you know, you have to give it to him. You know, it's, it, it's it might only be a couple of appearances, but he's done his reputation no harm at all. And I'm, I'm almost lying in what I'm saying when it said quicker fire, but because I did want to actually ask you about that, I probably should have should have done it earlier. I, I know you yourself; you go to all the games. You mentioned sort of Andy Kelly. I know you, you've got that big sort of inside vision at, at, at Kirby Barry Lutas, as you mentioned, Alex Inglethorpe. I suppose it, it's almost a simple question, but there may be quite a lot to it. I'm get, are they all, for want of a better phrase, buzzing about how Jarrell oh. Ponce is getting on at the moment? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know. Give, don't give it away. There'll be some quotes appearing from Barry um, overnight. Myself and Ian Doyle spoke to him after the game at, at Morecambe, and you know you could see it in, in their face. You know he, he said just just that sort of trickle down effect to the academy from the you know Curtis playing a hundred games, but Jarrell getting his debut. The sort of mood around so many of the, the younger players being around the first team environment, Ben Doak or Bobby Clark or Callum Scanlon, whoever. Yeah. Definitely, you know, it's it's huge, and it. I know, I know what a lot of those people are like. And you mentioned some of the names, but a lot of the people maybe you know you haven't heard of who, who've who've had a who've had a year with Jarrell at under fourteens, or who've had you know who who know his parents, sort of known as known his brother since he was you know he come through the door when he was five, six, seven, eight years of age, you know. There will be so many people that will know him. I think I saw Cara. Did, did I see Cara tweet him about that he's known? Yeah. 
under nines potentially. I don't. Know, I might have got that wrong, but you know, there's just so many people around the club that have have a say in a young player's career, or have you know have a a young player comes across or comes across a young player, and um, and I know what it's like when when a few of them come, you know. I, when they, you get those League Cup ties where there's three or four of them in there, I know that the academy will gather around and sort of, you know, either watch you on the TV if it's in Europe or, or they're away or they'll they'll be in the stadium, you know, sort of desperate for the young player to do well. And I know, wow. obviously, the 18s were playing on 11 o'clock um, last Saturday. So there'll be a few people there who would have had, a, you know, an eye on... Jarrell playing, they might have learned after the game. Oh God, he he started as yet. You know, there'll be people who would have been training probably with the twenty ones, um, a Caribbean. And I know for a fact that they'll have been gathered around the TV screen, sort of willing them to do well. They'll have all been texting them or Instagramming them or whatever afterwards. You know, giving them yeah. Um, and yeah, there'll be a huge sense of pride definitely among among the academy um staff, players, you know, analysts. The, the canteen staff, you know, they, they will all be sort of buzzing, you're right, is the word, yeah, for, for Jarrell. And not just not just to sort of get an opportunity as well, but to take it and, and to sort of, you know, ensure that I think at the very least he's going to get another chance at some point, isn't he? It might be tomorrow night against Lask. It might be against Leicester next week. It could be at West Ham, you know. Again, it could be in the Premier League later in the season. I, he's definitely ensured that we, we, we won't see the last of him. It wasn't a one opportunity and that's it. He's going to get more, most definitely. Brill. Yeah, lo- love to hear that because it does feel like, as, as well as we talk about the player and what we want to say, it does feel like a real plus for sort of Kirby, the setup as well, because it means it's, we always talk about transfers and I know, you know, I couldn't say anything different that we ask you about it regularly, but it does always feel special when we develop those talents, those homegrown players as well. So, yeah, really feels like a, a positive in that way. No two ways about it. And the final question I wanted to ask you, it's probably an interesting one because I know we said about player so far, you know, young player of the month. Is there anyone that you kind of put into the the unsung hero or maybe just going under the radar for what they're doing, you'd say, at the moment? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked, and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial, and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Uh, yeah, I suppose there's always, there's always that. I mean, it's, it depends what your sort of parameters are. I suppose Allison would, would, would be the one that, you know, he's not, he's not unsung because he's, he's, he's viewed as one of the best in the world, but yeah, don't underestimate 
don't underestimate the importance of him in in games and sort of some of the things that he does when when the game gets just gets tight and there's a moment where it, you know if you if you were to let them back in you know let's just say Villa for example you know it's quite a comfortable win in the end isn't it Bournemouth yeah. quite a comfortable win in the end isn't it but there's just moments in the game where if Allison doesn't do every do 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 the right thing whether it's with with the ball at his feet whether it's catching a corner whether it's just handling something perfectly. Setting up, you know, a, 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 you know, you look at that Wolves game. He's involved, isn't he, in the third goal with 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 some quickness. Yeah. So, I think I think he's always won. I I I've been huge, hugely um, pleased with Andy Robertson at the start of this season. I think you know, so maybe questioned a little bit last season. Uh, had a tough first hour at Stamford Bridge. I think what he's done since in terms of his performance has been really, really, um, really encouraging to see. And I'd probably throw Luis Diaz into into the mix as 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 a third one, you know, in terms of not, you know, he's scoring goals, of course, and he's 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 impacting the game. But I think just maybe the sort of the unsung element to it being that, you know, he's back fit again, isn't he? And he's back sort of looking like he did back back at his yeah. six months or seven months or whatever at at the club when he came. I think that's something that maybe we did. We didn't really appreciate when he came back at the end of last season that, that he'd had so long out, and it, it looks to me like he's sort of back up towards top speed and top sort of level again. So, yeah, I think I think there's there's a few unsung players in there that that possibly, um, you know, their impact isn't necessarily always on the score sheet or on the you know this sort of man of the match award or or whatever. But if you ask sort of the reliability of of having Andy Robertson back playing a you know even a seven out of ten. She makes such a difference having Luis Diaz's energy back on the pitch to to pin defenses back and make sure right backs are sort of not having a minute's piece. That makes a huge difference. And of course, having Allison, you know, always means that even if you have a wobbly patch, you know, he's probably going to make a save or he's going to make a contribution that that stops it getting too too damaging. And then you've got the ability to sort of go and turn it round later in the game, as was you know probably best best emphasized at Newcastle, wasn't it? You know. Darwin Nunez is yeah. the hero that day, but really Allison was the one who who made sure that there was a chance to be a hero for for someone like Nunez. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's big agree with that, especially with almost the formation switch. Robbo was coming for for question marks. I think it's fair to say so. He's answering those in abundance at the moment. Like you say, Luis Diaz looks maybe his injuries last season reborn, so to speak. And I, d- I did wonder because I I was almost thinking back to uh, I thought you had a great quote this week on another podcast where you say. You talked about struggles in the first half, but within 30 seconds of you know the second half against Wolves, I was confident we're going to get the win. What what was part of that? Because it's wrong to say all of that. The fact that Luis Diaz was on and he, he was going direct from the first, literally from the first 30 seconds, was that a part of that answer? Yeah, well, that was what obviously that you, you knew Liverpool had changed something. It wasn't like for light, was it? They 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 took off McAllister and brought on Diaz, so you knew that they changed not just the player but the system as well. I, I think it's just knowing that Liverpool had that in reserve, and there was there were still players obviously that, that, that subsequently came on and made the difference. I think it was just more that this this sort of feeling that ah yeah, you know the worst the worst is over, and it was only one nil. And now look at that, you know, Liverpool are going to, ha- they're going to get stronger as this second half goes on. You know, they, they brought on Nunez, they brought on Elliot, they had Gravenberg there if they needed them to, to come on. They obviously still had Canate in reserve, which was a, a huge boost to have in the last 10 minutes when your centre back goes down with cramp. Oh God, we've got to bring on Canate. It's not, not a bad thing to have. So, 
yeah, I think it was just more that sense of last season there were times when when Liverpool were behind in games and you looked at the bench and thought, mm, I don't know if they've got anything that's going to really change it for them. You know, it, it was more of a, hopefully one of them will just sort of pull something out. This felt a little bit more like Liverpool have got strength to, to yeah. turn. And, and, you know, I think Diaz is a great sub. It reminded me a little bit, different circumstances, different opposition, different sort of stakes, but it reminded me a bit of Villarreal when they were, they were 2 0 down at half time in the second leg of the, yeah. the semi final. Diaz came on and he, he just, it was like a switch got flicked that it was just like Liverpool are now playing properly again when he when he came on. It was, it was there was a bit of similarity there, I think. Um, you know, it was like, right, you know, they're not going to let Wolves do what they did in the first half now. They're going to be a, a lot more sort of switched on. And yeah, that was that was the reason behind it. And obviously, he nearly scored with his first touch, didn't he? Oh, pretty much his first. True. Game. The minute he had that, it was a header, wasn't it, that, that got put, put across? Was it Robertson? Robertson volleyed the ball across. Yeah, and, just wide. Yeah, I think Nunes was the same. When he came on, it was just a purpose to them that, that made me believe that, yeah, it's going to end well. I think you still say that. I mean, it was still getting a bit tight, wasn't it? Five minutes to go. Plus <laughs> yeah. You'd like them to do it a bit earlier, but I did have, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just, maybe it's a change in my, my mindset around it, but I did have a sort of a faith that Liverpool would find a way through. A little bit similar to Newcastle, you know, as that game went on, I had the faith that Liverpool would score in that Newcastle game. I maybe didn't think they'd get two, but I did think they'd equalise in that Newcastle game. And maybe that's just, you know, that's what happens when you start winning games again, isn't it? And you start sort of building that sense of confidence and belief in, in the team again that you think it's going to work out all right. We've had that for so long. We were spoiled by it, weren't we? Really sort of um, yeah. liable that Liverpool had wherever they went, whatever the situation, however deep it went into stoppage time or the second half, you felt to get through. And I feel that a little bit with this team at the moment that I feel like, yeah, I know they'll be all right. You know, even if they were to go 1-0 down on Sunday against West Ham, hopefully they don't, of course. But even if they were to go down in the first 10 minutes, I'd still think, no, it'll be okay. Just just stick with them, you know. They'll they'll, they'll find a way out of this. And Diaz was a big part of that, definitely, on on, on Saturday. And as, as were the other subs, yeah, absolutely. It does. It does feel just for, like you said, all the reasons we've talked about, all the things we mentioned. There are so many things to be positive about with the Reds, and I'm pretty sure, ladies and gents, we have managed to to cover them all, or all that I can think of, anyway. So, all it really leaves me to say is, Neil, as always, thanks for your time and your insight. It is greatly appreciated. Cheers, mate. No worries. So, and ladies and gents, that was Media Matters for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.